This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to foobarradio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome to Screen Talk, show number 15. Um, on this, what has possibly been one of the most depressing weeks of the year for sure, uh, what with the shooting in Orlando and the murder of Joe, uh, MP Joe Cox, the, the mudslinging in, in all the politics. I mean, it feels like weird, strange, dark times at the moment. And um, I kind of realise, right, that being a teenager of the 90s, I didn't know how lucky I had it back then, because basically there was, it was just one big party in the 90s. Um, uh, yeah, there were lots of problems as well, but uh, there was hope and optimism, which seems to be a thing of uh, rare beauty these days. Um, there was also like, there was a bit of a 60s revival in the early 90s. I don't know if you're my age or older and you remember this, we were all wear it, had long hair again and flares. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, in keeping with the 60s thing and in response to what's been happening this week, I thought I'd play quite a hippie song because uh, the sentiment is still as relevant as ever. Um, but also because this is a film and television show, um, I'm keeping it in, in theme. Uh, this is All You Need Is Love, uh, but it's a cover version from a film called Across the Universe, which features the cast singing Beatles songs all the way through. Probably because it's cheaper to do covers than use actual Beatles songs, which are still really fucking expensive. Um, This is Jim Sturgis uh, singing. Um, uh, All You Need Is Love is beautiful, and I'd like to dedicate it to all the people that have been affected by things this week. Oh, beautiful song there. Uh, We have with us Mr. Boyd Hilton, TV expert... Oh, is, thanks. Is, thanks that, Dan. is that a fair enough? Uh, I'll go along with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it'd be awful to call yourself an expert. On I mean, a uh, technician, like you know how to <laughs> fix TVs <laughs> yeah. and things. I'm good at that. Actually. Are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when uh, I've got a lavish TV setup at home. Have you? Mm. What have you got? My TV is enormous. Is it? Yeah, seventy-eight inches. You're just how about that? What? Yeah, seventy. Seventy-eight. Seventy-eight. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Is there even? I didn't know you could get them yeah, that big. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much as big as a, as a kind of um, as is acceptable in a per- normal person's home. But I've got. I'm very lucky. I've got a very wide room, big yeah. room. It's just one big open space. So it's but really look, narrow. <laughs> so <laughs> your face, your nose yeah. is touching the screen. It is, but I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is this your equivalent of getting a really big motorbike or yes, something? Exactly. I don't is drive. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not in the slightest bit interested in cars or anything like that. So this is my crisis, midlife crisis, getting a huge bit. I I'm a TV critic, so I think if you're a TV critic, surely you're justified yeah. in having the biggest TV you could possibly have. Um, d- is it relevant for things like uh, Bake Off? Um, everything looks better, Dan. Does it? Everything's better. Do you know what TV. I don't like, right? And it really frustrates me, okay? Yeah. Um, the that, that motion, cap, that sort of motion oh, thing. Oh, I know what you mean, yeah. Um, the, so, yeah, what you're saying is, yeah, the setting, the normal setting for, for big TVs, with, with especially with um, HD and Ultra HD, yeah. which I've got, obviously, yeah. is, yeah, you fit, everything's turned into a kind of video-looking. Yeah. Very, actually, you just have to get the right setting. It's key, yeah. I know, so you have to turn off all the special ones they have. But once you've got the right setting, films are like films, and it's the key thing. Yeah, you're very well, absolutely it's, right. Well, um, I think they they invented it specifically for sport, yes. which I don't really watch no so it's yeah it's a, yeah, it gets a rid of the juddery exactly but in films you want judder or yeah. at least you want it to film you want the flickery yeah. thing yeah, yeah, absolutely. and i feel like uh, what worries me is you make i make stuff so when you make stuff mm. and you spend ages trying yep. to make it look good yep. and then you think well maybe loads of people in the oh, country haven't got that you're absolutely right yeah. yeah so i mean there's loads of people i've, I've had interviews with the, you know the people who created breaking bad talking about how they're furious they get when people get the wrong setting on yeah, their tvs which almost everyone does and it's really exhausting going to every home <laughs> Asking them to switch, would, yeah. switch it off. Um, heavy question for you, Boyd. Mm. I didn't prepare you for this, but it's something I was thinking about on the way here. Uh, what with all the horrible stuff that's yeah. been happening this week, do you think um, violence in television and films has an influence no. on... You don't? No, no, I don't. I don't. God, you're, you were absolutely certain about that. that. I think, um, you know, I think it might have an effect if you're already a, um, in a, a some psychotic yeah. or, you know, there's something wrong with you. You have, you know, but I think, I just think you can't, you, you can't make TV and film and all that. You can't cater to that no. extreme end of people's mental states. I think you, you know, you just have to do what you have to do. And I think, you know, I, you know, I think violence is such a key part of some some of the best ever film and television yeah. entertainment. And you know, 
the vast majority of us, I don't think it, I, I absolutely can't stand the idea of real life fights. And you know, even, literally, even mm-hmm. someone came up to that me surprises and poking me. me or something. You seem like someone that might Thank have been you. in Marseille yeah. this no, week. No, oh god, no, you know, I'm a football fan as well. And I, yeah. oh, I think it's so depressing. Yeah, when, yeah. You know, it, loutish idiots go there and just do anything vaguely violent or anything like that. But I, I actually actively like good, well done violence in film. You know, yeah, Quentin yeah. Tarantino. You know, when he done, you know, he's yeah, the amazing. master of it, and. and you know, he will talk at length justifying, and when he gets attacked, actually, on sometimes he does on TV by, you know, slightly misguided, I think, interviewers saying, you know, there's too much violence. I just think, oh, you know, no, it's not. Yeah. That's not the problem. The problem is not violence in Quentin Tarantino's films. And also, of course, uh, violence can be funny as well. Oh, well, completely. You know, yeah, absolutely. I think more, of a, you know, more of a problem for me is stuff like if you really <laughs> want to get into it. Yeah, is is the way like masculinity is depicted in okay. culture as a whole. Like that for me has an influence on people, on, on people on growing up, and all these people. You yeah. know, let's face it. Are men are doing this stuff, violence and myths. And so from the hooligans, from football fans that go and do stupid stuff Mm -hmm. when they go to France to just, I think that is a much bigger issue. What what you're taught about masculinity, what it's like, what you're supposed to be as a man. Violence in TV and film is just pretty much irrelevant, I think. It's, um... We've got a lot to answer for, haven't we? Well, as a, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Totally. I, I'm, I agree with you that it shouldn't be censored, mm. but I do think we're kidding ourselves if some violence that's images put with cool music doesn't somehow glorify or influence. Yeah. I'm not. So, I, I agree oh, with I think, you. Yeah. It's the people who. It's like when I saw Wolf of Wall Street. It's not a. Um, that's not a violent film, but it's yeah. a man behaving incredibly. It uh, yeah, it? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It, there are people out there who won't see that it's sure funny but wrong sure. they'll go oh I oh, might yeah. do that I wanted a moral lesson yeah. yeah I mean there's definitely glamorised violence all the time on yeah. TV and film absolutely but I think that's where, still different you, I still yeah. don't think that means that someone a, a, a person without mental issues is going to watch that yeah, go, oh, yeah. now I feel justified in being absolutely. violent I just don't think that's how it works yeah. um, well I'm glad that you uh, we've cleared, that up. The, yeah, we've we've cleared it up that so issue. that conversation can now never be uh, <laughs> no. uh, uh, had again so um, I I uh, I've asked you on to give us a bit of a preview of uh, what's yes. going to be happening in the summer. And I yes. say summer in the loosest sense yeah. of the word, uh, although good for watching stuff when it the is, weather's yeah. like we're this. Now, now, I guess it's now to be the summer. Yeah. So well, British summertime. Yeah. yeah. We're in it now right. already. So might, in, in the stuff I'm going to talk about, I, it starts today. Okay. Like, literally starts today. I'm going to use the word literally. Okay. In terms of, so there's stuff that there's new uh, stuff arriving today mm-hmm. um, on streaming services. For example, Orange is the New Black, season mm-hmm. four. I don't know if you watched that right yeah, today yeah. on um, Netflix. One of their best shows. I can't believe it's season four already. Four. It's yeah. pretty incredible. Yeah, you know. And do they do like twelve, thirteen episodes? Uh, I think like they that? do. I think they do do thirteen. Yeah, yeah thirteen. So thirteen hours of mm-hmm. Orange Is New Black is all available today if you want to. Now I'm going to say go I haven't seen. I've watched the first two. Yeah, I've been a bit. Um, first two episodes or first two series? Si- series. Series. Yeah. Has it changed at all? Because it always had this strange um, tonal shift yeah. where it would go a bit really comedy Absolutely. to still drama. does that. The yeah. tonal shift is one of its. Great, it's, it's USP. Points. It is, yeah. Yeah. is it? I think so, and it does it. In fact, in the first episode of the new season, mm-hmm. there's a big, there's a hugely violent thing that happens. There's, in fact, there's, uh, there's cutting up of a body. I won't say who okay. by who. And then the next thing, there w- there is quite a light, you know, kind of introduction of a wacky new character. Yeah, I think that is one of the great things about it. It's very, it's it's brilliantly unpredictable, and it doesn't kind of tie itself down. And people, you know, one of the things that I always thought one where critics review stuff, and, that, and the thing they often hit upon is tonal shift. Oh, it's all over. Over the place, totally, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They get furious about it, uh, but I, I don't. It's never been a problem for me. I no. think if if, a sh- if you believe it from one scene to the next, I can't. It's fine, you know. For me, it's just making it believable. And I think the great thing about Orange Is the New Black is that it does work very hard at creating characters you believe would do mm-hmm. the kind of absurd stuff they do, or the uh, and those tonal shifts. They kind of make sense. I think. Yeah, and I also think that the sort of genre kind of uh, blurred lines of genres and and tone is something that's been happening in film a bit yeah. longer yeah. and people are just sort of catching up with it Absolutely. well not just but the last couple of years are like oh okay so it's not a drama or a comedy right. it's sort of yeah. some other yeah stuff thing. that doesn't fit into yeah. a neat which Orange is New York definitely doesn't yeah, fit yeah. into a neat genre yeah, because, I mean yeah. it's kind of it's a comedy but it's really dark mm-hmm. and black and it's violent and it's I mean, we should say obviously it's set in a women's prison in case people don't know but the, it's, the first two seasons of it were you know it's a woman in 
in a, from a very kind of middle class setting, arriving in a, in the in the in the in a women's prison, meeting mm-hmm. all these incredibly tough people for a crime she committed quite a long right. time ago as well. Exactly, yeah. So now it's kind of like that bit of it is gone. Really, yeah. it's just it's just about this this set of this world of this prison life. So she's she's not really the lead as no, such I anymore. Think, well, she's not really. No, it's a real ensemble thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's kind of like yeah, she's just kind of one of the ensemble. And I There's think been some really amazing breakout stars from that show as well. Yeah, hasn't there? incredible. And it's got. I mean, I know people talk about it's got the most diverse cast yeah. of women you'd ever see. Yeah, you it's know. definitely took the diversity. Yeah, has. But I think, you know, it, but it, it makes sense. You know, it's, yeah, it'd be not, bizarre to show about a women's prison in America and not have, yeah. you know, and have it all white, middle class white people. Wouldn't that be that'd All be, white, uh, middle class men. Yeah. That would be even more bizarre. But I, if you haven't never seen it, and by the way, Netflix do a really good summary. If you, because people worry, oh, we have to sit through three seasons first. Yeah. But you click on it and there's a thing, you know, there's a kind of very neat five minute summary of the whole thing so far. But why would you jump to season four well, if it's there? That's true. That is true. Maybe you want to be really up to date and yeah. you want to kind of, but yeah, no, it's a really good Unless show. Unless the people, I always felt with the show I did, which by the way, I've never thanked you publicly. Oh. You were always a big supporter of How Not to Live Your Life, which I, it was Great the kind show. of show that got, mm. you know, it was a sort of you either loved it or hated it kind of show. I think, well, yeah. maybe hate's a bit strong, but, um, and you were always very supportive. So oh, yeah, thanks. I it, no, but right. I, I always remember sort of feeling like, oh, you know, the first series had teething problems. So when people say, you used to yeah. say, oh, I want to watch it. I kind of almost wanted to say, start at season two. Oh, really? That's interesting. In yeah. a way. Yeah, well, there are a lot of shows. That, I mean, Parks and Recreation, which they're sh- showing at the moment yeah. on Dave, I think, on Sunday nights. They're mm-hmm. about to, up to season six. Famously, the first two seasons of that are not very good. Yeah. And then suddenly season three, it gets really good. So, I mean, it's an age-old thing, isn't it? People yeah. complaining about things being given a chance. But it's definitely true. I think particularly with comedies, maybe, that well, when you they need watch time to first bed in. first couple of seasons of The Simpsons. Oh, God. I yeah. mean, it's like a completely Absolutely. different show. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's all um, live. Yeah. But well. yeah, so that starts. So there is stuff that's coming up more future. I can talk about. Okay, that, yeah, that cool. starts today. Because um, obviously, I know you're you're, you're a bit you're a, you're a you're a man who writes great comedy, and doesn't yeah. it? so I'm, I'm trying. I was desperately trying to find comedy. The only really well, we talked about this before you when you yeah. were on that comedy's in a weird there, place. There's at the a moment, genuine new six part comedy starting on E4 in July um, called Wasted. Mm-hmm. Which I've seen a little bit of now, and it's by John Foster and James Lamont. I presume you know these people. No, it, I don't, actually, do you know I don't know these. Okay, well, they kind of worked on that. Was that BBC Three thing, Cuckoo? They yeah. kind of oh, worked okay. on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they've done and they've done various bits and pieces. Um, and it's about kind of a bunch of. It is about a bunch of guys who are, as the, the title suggests, kind of wasting their lives. Really, mm-hmm. but the interesting thing about it, Sean Bean is in it as the kind of imaginary. Um, guy guiding one of the characters almost in his Game of Thrones costume kind of oh playing it's, so it's an interesting little, yeah. little thing that he's in it as a kind of voice if you like right. um, almost like a chorus you know so uh, not an imaginary friend almost kind of an imaginary friend right. yeah a spit okay. on the imaginary friend idea yeah, yeah. but it's, it's I just think it's uh, my main thing is that it's good that yeah. someone in the middle of July <laughs> summer <laughs> when you don't get that much new stuff necessarily on normal TV mm-hmm. they are showing a brand new six part comedy yeah. um, which is pretty decent I think yeah, and it starts people like Dylan Edwards, um, yeah, 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 uh, Gwyneth Keyworth, Rose Reynolds. You recognise them, mm-hmm. like people who've yeah, been yeah. In, in stuff on TV. And from what I've seen, it's good. It's pretty uh, good. good. Yeah, it's good. Look out for that wasted. Mm. That is literally the only comedy. I'm just using the word literally again uh, that I can find yeah. new coming up in the when summer that hasn't started already. I mean, there's other stuff. That's the awesome. BBC I know do this where they uh, release they release uh, press uh, releases mm. for shows two weeks before it starts. So yeah. Quite often they're sprung on you a oh, bit that's true. late in the yeah, day. Yeah, that is true. But this is my big beef with BBC Three. I went on the air that they, you know, BBC Three is now streaming. Mm-hmm. And um, so it should be competing with Netflix and Amazon Prime rather than other yeah. linear channels. Mm-hmm. And yet they still keep it secret when they're going to show stuff. <laughs> you know, Which Amazon, helps everyone. Yeah, Amazon yeah. and, and, and uh, Amazon Prime and um, Netflix tell you months in advance. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I knew that Orange is was starting today about four months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but BBC Three, you'd be lucky if they tell you Emergent Successor, which is on right now, which yeah, I love. Yeah. I don't know if you've watched yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Tom Davis' yeah. insane show. They thought, you know, it was like trying to get them to tell me when that was on. It was like getting... What like, is their thinking behind that? Because they... I, they don't know what they're doing, Dan. You know, they've they've created this thing. They've moved. I think I saw you get into a Twitter I did, argument. Yeah, I, did get, I, I tweeted the actual, about it because I was yeah. so annoyed that, that I couldn't find out what was happening. Yeah. And then I got the PR for BBC, for BBC Three, and, and and I got loads of people though in the comedy community, like people mm-hmm. who work on stuff, sending me messages saying it's true, BBC, it's ridiculous that BBC Three just doesn't tell you when stuff's on. <laughs> you I don't know, know what in advance. And they've got if they were going to be part of the streaming services, then they've got to they've got to play the game and deal mm-hmm. with it the same way. That I'm, why are they keeping it secret? I don't they, know. They've always know. treated their sk- 
schedulers and people like yeah. these magicians who know some sort it's of dark art. It? Yeah. It's not scheduling anymore. Yeah. The whole idea is you watch it in your own when you yeah. want to watch it. It's ridiculous. Um, so no comedy, no comedies, but, but there's loads of good. New, there's lots of interesting stuff. I okay. think um, uh, there's um, factually. The big thing. Did you watch the OJ People versus OJ yes, Simpson? Which right. I love. So, which I brilliant. Sorry. Started off hating. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. I, I was like, I don't get this. It's like trashy sort of. Mm. It's like when. Do you remember when um, a TV movie yes. used to mean yes. like what it? You yes. know, the sort of almost looks like the days of our lives yeah. or something. Yeah. I thought this is all a bit trashy and a bit sort of. And then by the end of episode two, because everyone was saying how good it was, yeah. and I was like, oh, maybe I'm missing something. Right. And then that was it. I was in. It yeah. was like one of my favourite. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, believe it or not, there's a new thing called O.J. Simpson Made in America, which is a documentary. It's a five and a half hour documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been shown in America in one go, in five and a half hour go, in in some cinemas because right. to get it kind of um, that, that it's valid for the Oscars. And I think oh, they'll wow. do that here a bit as well. I'm seeing it next week. I haven't seen. I've seen the first episode. in one sitting. In one sitting, five hours, five and a half. No hours. intermission with an uh, organ. Or I don't anything? think so. No. Uh, maybe there will, but I'm not sure. There's, there's a screening of it, and the, and the director's coming over and everything. But I've seen the first episode anyway. I watched it because I was in America recently, and it is incredible. Really? Absolutely incredible. These so even really... though you think you know everything yeah. about this thing, it's it kind of traces the. It goes actually right back to O.J. Simpson's childhood. So it kind of first of all, it, it's all about him yeah. as a person. Then it goes into the issue of racism in America and, mm-hmm. and the kind of uh, the social background to the case. Then it goes into incredible. Stories about the case that aren't even in the People versus O.J. Yeah. Simpson. This is real people, the real people, every single person involved in that case, telling you what happened. This the is lawyers. the making a murderer version. It's kind of, of, you're right, yeah. exactly. It's the okay. making a murderer of the O.J. Simpson case. And there's even jurors. That's the most incredible thing. Two jurors talking about what happened. Wow. In the, and so it's just. Are they allowed? To, well, yeah, obviously they were. They yeah. can do what the hell they want. You know, yeah. America, freedom of speech, and all that. If they want to, if they want to talk about it, and they talk about it, and um, it is. Um, it, I don't know exactly when it's going to. So it's going to be. It's it's an ESPN show in America. So mm-hmm. it's a sport. It's the Sports Channel has commissioned it. It's part of an incredible series of documentaries they make called Thirty by Thirty, and it's going to be on here on BT Sport probably has their own ESPN channel here soon. But it's oh, watch out for it. Yeah. Yeah. OJ Simpson. They're really America. popular now, aren't they? These sort of docu yeah. crime yeah. series like Absolutely. the Jinx as well. Yeah. And um, they're really good. They are. And, when, yeah. and this and this is going to be this okay. is one of the best. I mean, you know, from well, I look forward so, to that. So yeah, look forward to that. And then I do want to mention a great there's a great American show called The Night of coming up, which is going to be on Sky Atlantic. Or if you've got if you haven't got Sky, you know you can watch stuff on Sky on Now TV. Yeah. Um, and this is a um, it's like a five or six part thing starring Riz Ahmed, the British actor. Yeah, brilliant. Who's brilliant, and John Turturro. Mm-hmm. And it's created by Steve Zalian, who's one of the best American yeah. screenwriters who yeah, wrote yeah. the script to Schindler's List. And it's an event. It's like it's it's basically tracing what happens to a man wrongly accused of a crime. Riz Ahmed is a Pakistani immigrant in New York. Right. He's wrongly accused of a crime. It traces what happens from his arrest all the way through the trial and beyond in, in a kind of, you know, in a through... So it's kind of analysing the American justice system t- to get back to um, making a murder. It's almost like yeah. another... There's a lot of that tw- going on. ...twist on that, yeah. yeah. So this is like a fictional, completely fictional crime, a man wrongly wrongly arrested, mm-hmm. and what happens to him, the kind of the nightmare, it's almost like the Kafkaesque nightmare of being in that situation. And I think it's... I've seen the first episode, and it's, it's, it's brilliant. Riz Ahmed is absolutely oh, so incredible. Good. I was really impressed when I saw him in um, Nightcrawler. Yeah. I was like, wow, right. he's, you know, yeah. there's... That's it's when you see someone play for the first time that you see them playing so different to the previous characters exactly. when that really gets you. Exactly, yeah. Um, and he's also in the new Star Wars spin-off film, he isn't is, he? Yeah, the, he's, he's, he's going to be thing. a huge star. Yeah. yeah, he's just he's just he, yeah, he's incredible and he can do anything. And he, d- you know, he's playing an American. You wouldn't even. And he's got mind. one of the best first names ever. Riz. Riz. What Fantastic. a great name. Fantastic first yeah. name. You're absolutely right, yeah. Um, so watch out for that. I think that's going to be on Scott Atlantic kind of late, mid- okay. midsummer, late July kind of thing. Yeah. And you, have you missed a robot? I was going to mention I, that. I'm on the fence about Are Mr. You? Robot. Are you? Yeah, a Why? little bit. Okay. You know when some something's just a chemical reaction, isn't mm. it? Like in terms of ha- whether you like the performers right. or the tone or yeah. the feel like I really really wanted to like it yeah and there's not I don't watch it going oh this is bad it's just yeah. like oh I'm not I'm not and maybe it's just I need to give it more time but it was just something that wasn't quite yeah it was just you know I hate to this isn't a very good review of a show <laughs> but it was literally just a vibe yeah I know what you mean yeah it's quite 
it's quite well, I guess yeah it's quite kind of it's, it's very intense isn't it and it's got um, it starts Christian Slater and Rami Malek which is explained mm-hmm. it's about kind of a guy getting involved it's about a hacker getting involved in the kind of dark arts of of challenging the government really mm-hmm. and of kind of hacking and all of that stuff it's very topical yeah. it's like ultra topical talking about all this kind of world of information and people this, um, yeah but I, th- I really like it. I think it's really good. But anyway, it is one of it's season two starts on Amazon Prime on July fourteenth. If and and it is season one's going to be shown on the Universal Channel here. You can watch season one on DVD now. I think if it, it's kind of the most acclaimed American drama, apart from you, who mm-hmm. doesn't like it, around that people don't really know about. You know, a lot of people haven't heard of it. Mister Robot, it, yeah, it's yeah. not because it hasn't been shown on any regular TV channel here yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, apart from Amazon Prime. People don't, a lot of people don't know about it, but I think it's really, really good. Do people get in this country still, can shows become big when they're on Amazon Prime here? You don't. People, who knows? That's the thing, because neither Amazon Prime nor Netflix, Netflix tell anyone yeah. how many people are watching their programmes. This is the, the famous thing about them. Yeah. They don't care, because all they need, if people subscribe on the monthly subscription to either of those services, they don't care how many yeah. people actually watch the shows. It's just about having shows that attract people to the service. So they don't need it. They will never, as far as I can make out, ever tell you how many people watch yeah. any of their shows. It's bizarre. I quite, I, do you know what? In a way, I like it yeah. because the um, emphasis on viewing figures yeah. can sometimes oh, be a bit soul-destroying. Ridiculous, yeah. 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 And from, the, our, from, from people right. that make stuff, point and people of view. say they're not into, over, especially overnight figures, people say, oh, you know, too many people watched yeah. that last night, and then a week later, six million people watched it. And still... Big wigs in TV companies say, oh, no, it's not about overnights. But when they get a big one overnight, yeah. they're just oh sure my about God. it. They're complete hypocrites. And they love shouting about the first yeah. episode when yeah. we all know it'll either drop massively <laughs> exactly. the next week exactly. or hopefully rise. Yeah. But um, Well, thank you very much, Boyd. Uh, I look forward to seeing some of those, especially the um, the OJ thing. Because yeah. I do this thing when I watch biopics or films based on real events where I then want to watch even more stuff yeah, about too, it. Yeah, absolutely. You, know. you want to know everything about it. Um, well, this will tell you everything about it. Thank you very much. So this choice of music uh, Music from a film is actually our producer Adam's choice. He wanted to uh, he wanted to have a say. Finally, um, this is from Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. It's the theme by John Bryan. Oh, that was uh, melancholic. I think that's how I would describe that. What did you think, guys? It was it was very restful. Was it? I, I, I yes, inwardly. I feel mellow. But outwardly still very, very angry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's... (laughs) Uh, We are very lucky to have today two men who are responsible for some genuinely hilarious and groundbreaking comedy. They are the brains behind Drop the Dead Donkey, Outnumbered, and now currently airing on Channel 4, Ballot Stroke Power Monkeys. Power Monkeys. Just Power Monkeys. Let's forget Ballot. Ballot Monkeys was last year, the general election, yes. Um, And uh, I am talking, of course, about the powerhouse duo... Do you mind me calling you that? Nice. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, Andy Hamilton and Guy Jenkin, thank you guys for joining me. Nice to be here. Um, The most important question, because I did a little bit of Wikipedia-ing of (laughs) you. The most important question um, is I discovered your name, your full name is Andrew Neil Hamilton. How do you feel uh, having a semi-namesake in Neil Hamilton? You could say he's got a namesake in Andrew Neil, which is probably much oh, more yeah. positive. I'd, I'd go for that one, I think, if I was you. That's the lesser of two evils, I would say. Yeah. Um, um, how do I feel about yeah. it? Uh, well, for most, it was only become a problem in the latter part of my yeah. life, yeah. obviously. It wasn't a problem until, <laughs> until there was a, a person called Neil Hamilton. It could have been worse. Yeah, yeah my, my no. middle name it's could never have been, been a real problem. Could have been Crippen or something, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or Voldemort. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't marry Christine, which was no. Wise. I didn't marry Christine. You tried, so. <laughs> no. Um, how do you feel about politicians who uh, go on um, reality shows? Do you think that they can still have any sort of level of credibility as a politician afterwards? I think mainly the ones that go on reality shows didn't have any level of credibility <laughs> yeah. beforehand. I mean, if you look well, at a good uh, point. Those, it, Galloway, Nadine yeah. Doris, I mean, these aren't, you know, these aren't the big, the big politicians yeah. of our day, They're not really, the ones. are they? They're not the ones we love, let's say, maybe. <laughs> um, no, my real most important question for you guys is, why do you make your life so difficult? Drop the Dead Donkey was an up-to-the-minute topical humour yeah. show. Outnumbered was working with kids, and not yeah. just working with kids, but having them improvise. And now Power Monkeys is a topical up-to-the-minute show again. Have you ever thought of just writing a show in advance and filming it? <laughs> well, we do, in fact. It's all an okay. illusion. We, I mean, Power Monkeys, two-thirds of it we write. Not very long 
before mm-hmm. you know because obviously we want it to be current but but a third of it we film on the day okay so we film a third of it roughly we film and edit on the day and outnumbered um although it was always written up as this improvised show yeah in yeah. fact we wrote and rewrote and rewrote and rewrote you know the the core scripts uh were were as crafted as as anything we do but we tend to do something that has an element of uh um jeopardy if you like but it's not really jeopardy i mean in our minds it's because we try and do something original mm-hmm. but it's actually Which it's are. actually surprisingly restful really i mean Is like it? that piece of music beforehand well there's, there's, <laughs> not a lot of, there's you know there's not a lot of decisions we well, lots of decisions to be made but you don't you could agonize about any of them right so there's not enough there's time, no time yeah. you know by the time you've sort of worried about something it's gone out so yeah that actually you know it, it, it's, it's surprisingly calm yeah and, and you don't have I mean, in the instant, I mean, on uh, you know, something like Outnumbered, there was post-production, there was a lot of editing, because the kids could be brilliantly funny mm-hmm. in some of the scenes where they're improvising, but they, they tended to be brilliantly funny bits on take one and a brilliantly funny bit on take three, or, you know, so mm-hmm. it was a big editing job, sort of making it look uh, seamless. But on something like Power Monkeys, um, yeah, you know, we're filming on the day it goes out, but and what's great is we don't spend weeks and months trying to improve it by seven percent yeah you know which is sort of (laughs) what you do probably in post-production is you're improve you are improving it but but not a huge amount you know you're reliant on on what you've got being good really so you do actually shoot a third on the same day that power monkeys goes out and and right yeah right yeah um yeah a good third on some other shows here is our day our tx day is we get up very early in the morning with four writers who come in to uh help us on the day and uh, we start writing uh, just before seven, and we finish. Well, no, we get we talk, and um, and we find out what's in the papers. Then we because um, uh, we're all staying at a hotel okay. the night before, and then we um, uh, we You're start, hungover. We no, no, <laughs> we couldn't do we couldn't do it hungover. So we start writing about seven ish. We finish writing about half ten-ish, wow. we step onto the sets, there's four directors, four cast, four of everything, so, but me and Guy are, are two of the directors, and we step onto our sets at um, around 11 o'clock, we film from 11 till about half two, two, half two, uh, and then we go to the editors, who are already trying to edit the, the stuff we filmed, and then we edit with them from two till sort of six-ish, then we compile the show, then we review it, uh, and then you know, Freak hopefully out. by it's not too close to transmission. Although, and then, and then we sleep for a long time. If so possible. Well, we d- don't really. No, because you're here. Because we're back. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I was going to say, uh, why on earth are you here, guys? Uh, this is some precious downtime. Um, how do you uh, how do you sort of make light when you have a week like we've had? Well, I think this week it is. It's very difficult to know how we're going to deal with a with a murder. Yeah. I mean, at the moment, I think we don't know enough about it, and and, and we'd probably stay off it. Um, I mean, on the other hand, something equally, I mean, awful like the the Orlando mm-hmm. killings. Um, I mean, you think even Donald Trump is going to keep quiet now for a couple of days? Yeah. But instead, he tweeting trying to make political political capital out of it straight away and so then i think it does become a a a genuine topic that you can that you can write because you can talk more about the aftermath than the event it's about about somebody trying to exploit it yeah 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 yeah. Um, i suppose it it depends it depends what happens afterwards mm -hmm. i mean the key thing is you use the expression make light of it and we would you know we would never make light of something uh that horrific mm-hmm. but what what we might do is um you know through these characters um present argument through mm-hmm. comedy you know i mean the example guy cited you know we've got characters on the trump plane in power monkeys who you know one of whom she's a kind of monster she's a kind of uh, uh like a trump frankenstein you know <laughs> so so it image. was perfectly um, you know, in, in a sense, she she is a, a very good satirical uh, medium for presenting um, his warped view yeah. of what's appropriate. 
Um, I'm but, sure. I'm sure there were people in the Trump campaign who um, gave a little whoop at the point that they found out that the that the killer was you know, rather tenuously linked to yeah. ISIS. Uh, so mean, tenuous, you know, though, uh, right? Uh, yeah, uh, but it's bizarre. But you know, somebody with that that sort of tunnel vision of a campaign. Um, do you? Uh, which do you prefer? By the way, do you prefer when you did drop the dead donkey? It was filmed in front of a live audience. Yes. Um, did that make because it was like a show, a recording of a show? Did that mm. make writing right up to the minute easier or harder? Because single camera, you have to do so many different angles, and does that is that well, more time consuming? Depends. I mean, I'm <laughs> filming on a bus, so I've, I've got I've got about You've three got one angles. angle. Yeah, <laughs> basically the bus has got you know like we did Ballot Monkey. Yeah. Those buses have got a gully down the middle, which is about one foot six wide, um, so you don't really have any angles. It's the but, show with the uh, most three shots. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In yeah. TV we, employ, history. we employ actors who are, you know, great under pressure, mm-hmm. who get it right first time. How do you yeah. know that before they do well, it? Like, quite a few. Do you do some weird before. psychological <laughs> tests before yeah, they yeah, get the part? Yeah, lots of Rorschach tests yeah. where they, you know, yeah. we draw things. You tell tell them some really horrible thing that's happened to them, like make up a lie and then go right now read these lines <laughs> and see if they can still do it. Um, um, yeah, but it, it's different. It's a different kind of writing. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing it in front of a, a live studio audience, then then you you shape the the dialogue slightly differently, maybe mm-hmm. to to um, just a single camera. We were, uh, encu- we were encouraged to write topically by um, in the eighties. Um, we came to write for a show called uh, Shelley that was a sitcom for for Thames, in which we we put some topical jokes and not that topical jokes, but it was the yuppies, uh, wasn't it? It was the arrival of yuppies. Yeah, and that, but and and then they didn't put it out for about. Over a year? No, it's more than that. It was nearly two years. I think the Prime Minister had changed. So, you know, it's, it's getting You've it got a reputation that. as the yeah. most nostalgic, but topical humour. Well, we also we created two characters, two regular characters who were yuppies. And, of course, by the time it went out, everybody had written about yuppies. Yeah. And yuppies were, were rather old hat. So we got reviews saying, you know, oh, this looks a bit tired and old-fashioned. But the only reason it was old-fashioned was because they'd sat on it for nearly two years. I think they sat on it because um, we went to war, didn't we? And they were worried about... They thought it wasn't a good time to be launched. Went to war with yuppies. I think they went to war. That would have been Falklands. Falklands, wow. Okay. Yeah. So was that the thing that made you think, never again, if we write something topical, it has to go out that night or the next day? Well, we did think it would be nice to to have something that was so immediate that that it did go out there and then, yeah. And we'd, we'd had experience... We'd done a show called Who Dares Wins, which we used to record the night before transmission. We we worked on Not the Nine O'clock News, which recorded the night before transmission. So you know, we did have a, mm-hmm. a background in that. Did you work on Spitting Image? Guy did. Did you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I worked on Spitting Image of two people, in fact. Okay. I was um, myself, and then after the first series of Spitting Image, they had a, a clear out of of the tired old writers. I think I was in my late 20s and so <laughs> god knows how old and tired i am now um but so then i started contributing um they wanted younger female writers so i started contributing as a as a 14 year old schoolgirl called um called sarah yallop yeah no seriously really? you did uh, a ronnie barker she had a great she, hit rate she got really? yeah, on. yeah the, one yeah. of one of the uh, somebody from the show um did an interview where it said it's a it's a sad reflection on these you know the tired writers that the best material this week is written by a 14 year old schoolgirl. and how so, do you celebrate that when you're in disguise how can you well, go he's talking about me i, I, I ring, I ring up like, andy basically i rang really? up andy when it went out and, the, and, and we had a from my off. point of view the great tragedy of this story is that you know there was a very few select few of us who were in on what guy was doing and that he was you know getting a lot on in the guise of this um 14 year old schoolgirl, and and she got an invitation this fictional schoolgirl, to the end of series party and unfortunately we couldn't persuade guy to go <laughs> to the end of series party dressed as a 14 year old girl and i that's one that will always be one of the great regrets of my life that we didn't persuade yeah, guy to do absolutely. that absolutely and also i'm surprised that you know because being a really brilliant political comedy writer and being a 14 year old girl school girl surely if i was the producer of that show i go i want to meet this you know genius 
Did well, they never say, look, could you come in? She lived in Bishop's Dortford. Oh, okay. And, and, uh, and this know. was the 18th. And so that was quite a busy thing. at school. Didn't yeah. they invite you in? I think they did, didn't yeah, they? And I you created reasons why, why you couldn't go. But Guy, to give you an idea of how... Um, what a what an evil genius guy was! <laughs> he also created a sister who wrote rubbish, and who sent the stuff in. And my my wife Libby used to. This have is to, you're making this up. To, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not sure making I believe it up. this. No, no if, my, you, if you look at an old episode of of um, of Spitting Image, the first week she got stuff on, um, she didn't get a credit. So I wrote in complaining that none of my school friends believed this. It was a sad this. letter, wasn't it? A sad letter. Oh, yeah. oh and in God. fact, on the end, there is a sort of five-line special credit to Sarah Yallop and Yabu Sucks to all her school friends who, who, um, yeah, yeah. who, who don't believe And was believe this school even a real school? Um, no. No. No, no. No, none of it. Dan, have you not been listening to anything <laughs> no, we've been I saying? I you might have still none used it, some facts real. to sort of make it a bit more believable. <laughs> no. But oh, my yeah. God, the research. No one did any research. I'm sure H- HR would have a... Yeah, there was, there was no internet. Yeah. Or I couldn't have done it. I also had to explain to, to write his, a film about he, that. He also had to explain to his bank manager that um, he'd be getting checks, but they'd be addressed to someone called Serial. That he wasn't yeah. stealing and they were very some low poor rate. girls. Yeah, he, had to, yeah. he had to accept the. You must have been pretty desperate for work <laughs> at this point. I mean, God, to go to those lengths. I this is like the method. Th- this is the Robert De Niro of writing. This yeah. is that is incredible. But it's wow. an interesting study in human nature, isn't it? Which is that people see what they want to see. I don't think guys started writing more brilliant material. I think all that happened was the way people yeah. were looking at the material. No, definitely. Changed. Definitely. What do you feel about the state of comedy at the moment? Do you think it's weird that there isn't more political comedy and satire, considering we are living in a time where there is so much to write about? Um, well, I mean, there are. You know, you've got people like Chris Morris who, who do who, you who, know, fantastic work um, once every seven years um <laughs> but i mean uh i don't know i'm surprised i mean it, we are entering what seems to be i mean it's partly why me and guy chose to do power monkeys is is that it does seem to be an extraordinarily turbulent and bewildering period mm-hmm. in in well, not just uk politics but globally mm-hmm. um yeah i mean you know the thought that you could have a summit with putin meeting boris johnson donald trump oh and marine God. le pen it's well, like I mean, a sitcom uh, isn't uh, it uh, well yes I suppose <laughs> which people a, wouldn't a, believe a flat sharing summit yeah that is terrifying so uh, uh, in america they have a lot of uh, uh satire and political they have the daily show mm, and the colbert mm. report those kinds of things yeah um it just i just feel like i want to see i want to be up at night and see a smart oh, comic yeah. doing a monologue of the day's events think, or something i think various uk broadcasters have, have tried yeah to do that and i don't know whether it's just that it hasn't been done well enough or or whether maybe there isn't the appetite in the the British audience. I don't know, maybe, yeah. I mean, I thought of that. I mean, they're probably, they're probably, if you look back, it's not as if there was a sort of golden age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, people remember the, you know, the, the, the great satire shows from a long time ago. The but 60s, the, the, that kind yeah, of, yeah. There rarely, have, there rarely have been, I think. I mean, that was the week that was, was like the show you described there. It was yeah. on late at night. It was a mixture of journalism and uh, well, performance comedy. Because Frost wasn't a comedian, was No, yeah. David Frost, I mean... You know, he, he had he was a very intelligent man. Mm-hmm. He had many qualities, but the ability to to sell a joke was not one of them. <laughs> but it didn't matter yeah. because he was shrewd enough yeah. to surround himself with brilliant writers and some very funny. Whenever performers. I see documentaries about it, I always think, God, he was such a playboy, wasn't he? Mm. You know, he just loved being, yeah. you know, in the biz. No matter what, you know, like the Frost Nixon, if if it's believed to be accurate, he was just like, I just I just want to, I want to do a thing that everyone watches, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, do yeah. you? Because you still regularly appear, um, Andy, on uh, Have I Got News for You? Do you, in the current climate of the BBC being always under attack and being a bit risk averse, do you ever get any sense that they're saying, "Oh, you can do this, you can't do that," or are you still given freedom? What on that show? Yeah, on mean? that show. Uh, I've never. I can honestly put my hand on my heart, and no one's ever told me not to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And I'm not conscious of anything that I've said that I thought was particularly interesting, sort of not having survived an edit, 
So no, I, I, um, I mean they fight quite hard on that yeah. show. I think to protect their independence. Um, well, that's good. Yeah, because sometimes they even crit- critique the BBC itself, and I always think that's an interesting yeah, no, situation. They, they, when they regularly do bite the hand that feeds yeah. them. But, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I've. I mean the the risk averse thing. That's sort of not exclusive to the BBC, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, although the BBC is in a particularly invidious position because of uh, because of its relationship with the government, you yeah. know, it's kind of reliant on the government, but you know, in theory, independent of the government. That's so. a bizarre. I sort of feel, from my tastes anyway, yeah. um, by trying to stay alive, yes, and the way they're changing some of their. Broadcasting, I suppose, more in comedy and comedies. Everyone has different tastes. They're becoming a channel that I'm less enjoying, like w- watching, right? By trying to stay alive, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but because um, I love the BBC so much, yeah, and, yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's a very I weird mean, time. you know, I won't, wouldn't be the first person to say it, but it, it's worth saying that if anything were to happen to the BBC, you know, if it, if it were to be sold off or if it uh, or whatever, it, it's crucial part of the ecology mm. of uh, not just British broadcasting but British art and culture yeah. you know, I mean it, it's um, it's it's impossible to imagine um, I think there's uh, probably a lot of people who just have taken it for granted they don't quite no because I you know when you grow up and it's just there why would you well it costs less than a newspaper doesn't it per Does day it? to the and it's certainly, it certainly costs a lot less than Sky. I mean, yeah. people, it's people less than my Netflix subscription a year. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, by, by a lot. <laughs> well, the thing, yeah, that, yeah, right. the thing that always drives me mad, I get, I get involved in some quite heated conversations with friends and relatives and stuff, is when they say, um, "Oh, that rubbish that was on the BBC," and we pay for that. And I just <laughs> want to grab them and shake and go, "You pay for the rubbish on ITV as well." Yeah. The thing is that, that it's an invisible tax you know every time you buy a packet of cornflakes you know a certain the certain amount of that price is is what pays for the tv mm-hmm. advertising so you are paying an itv yeah. tax every day of your life and that's regardless talk about you know a regressive tax that is regardless of whether a you watch itv yeah or b if you even have a television you know you you're, you're paying for itv yeah, so yeah. the public pays for ITV, it pay you know so. so That's I, interesting. But, but I don't know why the BBC theory. never make that point. Yeah. It's almost like they're nervous about they're being a, seen to to. I think to that's one of themselves. the things that annoys me is that they're always bad at defending themselves because there's so there's so many things brilliant things you could say about what they offer. Yeah. And you don't always hear that argument. Sometimes yeah. it's like, oh, if we just sort of keep quiet, maybe it will go away, kind of thing. But um. Going back to the uh, uh, to outnumbered, the improvising thing, which, by the way, you said that isn't as improvised as people led to believe. Did that annoy you when someone said this show, which is completely impro- like a review or something? Um, were you like, God damn it! Don't they understand the pain we put yeah, into? We, we never said completely improvised. Yeah. I think the wording we had in our first like press release was with elements of improvisation. Right. And uh, yes, yeah, some some journalists who perhaps you know were being a little bit lazier mm-hmm. just started writing it up as if the kids were just making it up and yeah, we were yeah. just filming it and if they were then what that you would have found genuine geniuses that could improvise fully structured storylines yeah. and at the age of however old yes. they were we're never letting go of these yeah. people ever yeah. again <laughs> Um, did they did their improvisation skills change as they get older and more knowing or was it always yeah i think they i think they probably did i mean yeah. what what you get when they really are young are those just those surreal leaps yes that that and you know and they they did add a lot to the show in that yeah. those, those those small moments where where it was just they they kind of got lost in some you know in, in that sort of child's brain mm-hmm. where where you just make those connections that you don't quite make when you yeah. when you're older yeah. um, were were fantastic it's funny isn't it do you, uh, Andy you do you've done live comedy right yeah you do stand up yeah yeah <laughs> i do i well i, I don't know if you call it that yeah i do sh- one man shows yeah, yeah. Uh, guy do you no no <laughs> so i don't know if you relate to this anywhere you've written you've written a show for months and then you take it on the road and you do one ad lib and the crowd go crazy and you're like is that all it takes? What about all this stuff oh, I've right. poured sweat over, you know? 
I don't know if you ad lib much in your shows. Yeah, or, no, I do. Yeah, <laughs> it's I all ad lib. Um, no, I, I, I usually ad lib sort of quite a large chunk yeah. of the second half. Yeah. Do you? Um, what are your shows if they're not stand? They're one man. That, are they like yeah, theme I mean, shows? I, the one I've been doing. Actually, I'm going out again in October. It's mm-hmm. called Change Management, and I just look at you know changes in society that I've noticed. Um, it's like a sort of philosophical treatise yeah. that is also very funny. A Thank ted, you, guy. A TED talk the with jokes. Guy, yeah. guy doing my PR. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you enjoy doing that? You must yes. be, otherwise why would it? <laughs> no, it's hugely enjoyable. Yeah. Um, the only thing, I mean, in an ideal world, um, you know, all the towns in Britain would be in one place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. the, oh, God. That's the only thing is getting getting around. And you know, the sometimes food that's on in offer. the depths of winter yeah. uh, is uh, um, the hard bit. But the actual shows themselves, yeah. where you meet, you know, and I'm very lucky because these are the people who watch Outnumbered or who listen to uh, Radio Four. Who, mm-hmm. You know, they are the audience. So it's really nice to actually physically meet them and engage with them, and and they are very good audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guy, you've uh, you've actually also written uh, kind of more dramatic stuff as well, right? On your own, I was looking at your extensive CV, your curriculum. I got sent to your curriculum vitae. No, I didn't. I looked. I was looking you up um, to see if you got what, how much stuff you had done separately as well. Mm. And you've 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 written and directed films and dramas and stuff. How different do you find that both in terms of writing on your own compared to a duo and in terms of comedy versus drama? Yeah, well, I mean, Andy and I, we've always been a sort of uh, an open marriage, I think is how we describe it. Promiscuous. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so we, we both go off and, and... I knew there was something about you two. <laughs> um, so, I mean, no, it, the, well, the advantage of us both writing is... Uh, you know, company. If, 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 company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's rare you both have a bad day. So, yeah. you know, so it, it is... Mm. It is great to to work together um i mean you know, we don't work right side by side you know we'll we'll plan something very carefully mm-hmm. and then but the when we go away into a first draft um we you know one of us will do one half and one of us the other or one okay. of us will do one episode and one the other so a bit like that game where you draw a head and then the body fold it over maybe the consequences none of this makes sense we hope uh, that after many years together that it actually comes up with a sort of yeah. co-hate human being when we when we put things together yeah. like that anything um, planned together for after uh power monkeys well we've got loads of stuff that's out there as they say mm. um but I mean, we'd, we'd love to write another film um we, yeah. we did one about two three years ago um and we're we're working on a on another script and is it for you now you you direct everything you write is that the way you like um, to work? well that's that tends to have been the pattern yeah. you know for the recent past we we did work with a wonderful director called lydia oldroyd who who passed away um uh so um i think it, it would be a question of 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 needing to find a director who you know who we were Fixing. on a, a real wavelength yeah. with and um um, and we both quite enjoy um, directing. And it's interesting, the thing about pairing up is that, you know, as Guy said, one advantage is it's unlikely that both of you are going to be having an off day. Yeah. You know, as an individual, you, may make, you may make a mistake. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, the, but the odds are much heavily stacked against both of you making the same mistake. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you could both make different mistakes that might cancel each other out but yeah. in, in fact there's a kind of quality control element yeah. you know, on certain pieces I mean obviously if, if we're writing something more personal to ourselves then, then mm-hmm. we're off doing that on our own on the, on the film I think it, it actually it works very well on films having two directors yeah. uh, but obviously it wouldn't work if you threw you know Scorsese and I don't know, De Palma together or something because mm-hmm. they're, they're used to working on their own but because we know each other um, and are on the same wavelength. There yeah. is so much to there is so much to look out for. It's yeah. a good point, um, actually. There are yeah, a lot it, it, of uh, film directing duos, but not so much in television. They tend now, to listen, be brothers, and they yeah, they're <laughs> all brothers. Um, now we are running out of time, uh-huh. but you have both kindly picked a guilty pleasure. This is a section we do on the show where people okay. justify a film they either think is underrated or they know is bad, but 
they love it for some reason. I don't know which of category that falls in for you both. Now, um, Andy, you picked, was it yours that was Cockle Shell Heroes? Cockle Shell Heroes. Cockle Shell Heroes, yes. which I've never seen. I watched no. a tiny bit on YouTube. Right. And it looked like a gorgeous, beautifully shot film. I mean, why is it a guilty pleasure for you? Well, it's, a, it's, it's not a very good film. Isn't it? it? It's, it's a war movie. Um, and I love war movies, and uh, but it's not particular. It's not a good example of a war movie. But I, I find myself, you know, when you're kind of blipping across the channels, you'll quite mm-hmm. often find it tucked away yeah. on, on, you know, number nineteen somewhere. Yeah. And I do find myself watching it uh, have a kind of morbid nostalgia because when I was little, um, we went on holiday to Hailing Island, and it just chucked it down for two weeks so all we did was my dad took us off the cinema and we watched this same film Cockle Shell Heroes so I know every frame of it basically so uh, when it comes on I find I at some kind of primal level my brain says (laughs) oh yeah you have to watch this because it's probably raining outside it's raining outside I was just going to say yeah there are films it's almost like smell that just take you right back to it's like Ben-Hur I will watch Ben-Hur if it's on even though I've seen it a million times I think because it reminds me of my childhood Yeah. yeah I think Bond films are like that whenever they're on. Right. Even the bad ones, you're like, I'm still going to watch this. Yeah. I don't know why. And, uh, Guy, you picked... Um, this was a bit more surprising, I thought, because some comedy fans would argue this is an outright classic, but you picked The Naked Gun. Well, I think they, they are underrated because it's a film sort of just packed with gags. Okay. You know, that whole series. I think a lot of people underrate films like that. Without dimension and stuff, because they're just about jokes, you mean? Yeah. 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 And, and you know, I think they're probably just as hard to do as the English patient or, you know, mm-hmm. the, the yeah, serious yeah. film. Um, um, that many jokes per second? No, that's definitely hard to do. <laughs> and, I mean, I've shown lots of comedies that I love to my children, quite a few of which they just stare at in disbelief. <laughs> really? But The Naked Gun, that's, you know, it, it, it just, it, I think it will work for generation after mm-hmm. generation after generation. You know, I think comedy, people tend to look down on comedy unless it's sort of written by Chaucer or something. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's... I wondered whether you're, um, the reason you picked it as a guilty pleasure was just because O.J. Simpson's in it, so now it's tarnished oh, with right. Well, I was going to mention that. I, I know you were talking about him earlier. Yeah. It, does, it does cast a slight stain over them. I do find like that, but uh, I mean... We, yeah. We've talked about this on previous shows, about whether you're able to separate the man from the talent often, you know, what yeah. with the, some of the things that well, it seems every, anyone that was um, a grown adult in the 70s seems to have uh, yes. the things they did back then but um, I'm sure OJ is someone you can just go oh, no that's a character let's not think about all the things that anyway yeah, he was I'm... he was found innocent so what am I saying yeah yeah you know? what are you yeah. saying <laughs> what are you implying yeah this is this is uh, horrible me well thank you guys that's um, I could have chatted even more about the, the process of uh, all your work um, do you want to do a quick plug of yes, when Power Monkeys is week, on this week yeah. Power Monkeys is on Channel 4 10 o'clock on Wednesday, the night before the referendum, and 10 o'clock on Friday, the night after the oh referendum. Oh my God, that's going to be and a then job, for isn't it? Two weeks after that on Wednesdays. It and, will be a turn job. on because we don't know what the hell we're going to do the morning after the referendum when, yeah, um, interesting. when oh everything has changed. We have to write a lot more of it. Topic I'm really so. I'm crossing my fingers for thank you guys. You. Uh, thank you so much. I decided to pick the song Louie Louie, performed by the Rice University Marching Owl Band okay. from the film The Naked Gun. Thank you very much, guys. Pleasure. Thank you.